Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Today, we've got a very special topic that we want to start exploring with you. And it's a topic that we're probably going to take a deep dive into over the next few sessions. And Mm. it's about the new framework that the US Surgeon General recently published about producing a new framework for workplace health and mental well-being. And Sarah and I both think there's something very special about this framework. So we thought today would be a great place to start by giving you an overview of what it's all about and what it comprises. So Sarah, what attracted you to this particular framework? Well, first off, I think it's so great to see it. I love a good framework, right? (laughs) But I think two things. Uh, One, it was brought to my attention by Jen Fisher from Deloitte, who I love. And if you haven't, if you're not following her, do. She's just brilliant. Second, I think in general, the US um, is slightly behind on the well-being front compared to where we are in Europe. So it's great to see it being taken seriously from this very kind of prestigious and, you know, I guess, core organization that it's going to start to get some traction, get some movement. And having said that, when I shared it, when I first saw it, it got over 60,000, I haven't checked it recently, but over 60,000 views on LinkedIn. So the most popular thing I've ever shared on LinkedIn. And I obviously I didn't make it, but I just shared it. So I'm really drawn to it because I think it's everything that we have always talked about here on Thriving. But it's also everything we believe in the practices of happiness at work. You know, everything we teach in this area is directly linked into the the framework that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And the thing that really made me, you know, jump for joy is on the introduction. Uh, he talks about how workplaces can be the engines of mental health and well-being. And any kind of regular listeners will know how deeply I believe this. So my passion for happiness at work is that we can reframe work and we can make it a place where people go and get filled up with positive energy, with mental health, with well-being. And that they then go home and go back to their families, their communities, their lives and the world around them. And that's how we get this activation energy that we need to be making good decisions to change the world for the better. And so that is this piece for me that I was so delighted to see that is now being talked about at the highest levels. Um, so I'm so excited. I feel like this is going to be like, we're going to do like a little mini series on this, aren't we? Yes, we are. It's, there's so much to it. Yeah. The beauty of it for me is that it seems a very simple framework. It is a very simple framework. Mm-hmm. It's got five elements with two subcomponents to each one. Yeah. But you can see the depth of thought that's gone into creating this mm-hmm. and it's all encompassing. Yeah. So I think those organizations who see this and start to embrace some of the Mm -hmm. framework for themselves in their own organization are going to truly flourish. 
And I and I think you're right. You know, your comment about whether the US is a little bit behind in the health and well-being space. Yeah. I don't have any particular evidence to support or negate that, but my feeling is that's true. And it's interesting because in the American workplace, your health insurance is very much tied up with your work. You depend on having that job Absolutely. in order to get covered or when you're not. Well. Absolutely. Um, and when I saw that currently poor health, poor mental well-being, mm-hmm. uh, burnout, et cetera, is costing the U.S. economy half a trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of greenbacks. <laughs> that is a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of money in you know, lost productivity mm-hmm. per year. I mean, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not going to be as much in Europe, and it's certainly not the same amount in, here in, in Australia. But even here, we're, we're looking at a cost of about $39, $40 billion a year mm-hmm. where workplaces are basically mentally unhealthy. They're toxic. They're not supportive. Um, and people are miserable at those places that they call work. So understanding that it doesn't have to be that way and there are relatively simple things because let's face it the stuff we teach isn't rocket science it's exactly not it's not it's human science it's about understanding people yeah and connection and relationships mm-hmm. that we can really start to see the potential that this framework will deliver so i am also equally as excited so so darn exciting feeling excited yeah. too because if we're excited <laughs> that's really good yeah it's good news we need that in the workplace we need that exactly now right yeah we haven't had yeah. good news for a while no that's wrong so shall we like just shall we just chat through each of the the components? I think so. Yeah, that would be really good. So for anybody who doesn't hasn't seen this, um, just Google the U.S. Surgeon General's Framework for Workplace Mental Health and Wellbeing. It's a really easy to read document. It's got all the pillars. It's got some great questions that you can ask in your organization. So it's got some real tangible things that you can take away with it. Loads of links to fantastic research and things. So just if you want to follow along, feel free to have a look at that. Mm. So first off, I'll start at the top. That's always a good place to start, isn't it, at the top? I think so, right? Yeah. I mean, we could start from the bottom, but it'd be a bit confusing. But protection from harm. Yeah. Um, and you, like you said, there's these two sub things, which are safety and security. You know, this goes back to Maslow. This goes back to if we don't feel safe physically or psychologically, kind of nothing else works. That's right. This is your foundation. This is what's key. We've got prioritized workplace, physical and psychological safety. And this one is my favorite, Jenny, and I think it might be yours too. Enable adequate rest. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd make that Jenny noise. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, I was sharing with you earlier, but I'll share with our our audience as well. I was um, reading a post that one of my colleagues had put out on LinkedIn where she was sharing the findings from its Claro Wellbeing, and they'd done a survey um, looking at how well organisations were putting mental wellbeing into place in their organisations. And their discovery was that while a lot of organisations are giving sort of words to 
um, oh yeah, we think this is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we really want to focus on employee health and well-being. When it comes to the rubber hitting the road, they they've yet to make contact. Yeah, <laughs> and the survey actually showed that. of those organizations that they looked at were essentially washing well-being. They were talking about it, but they weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. And how annoying is that? If you're an employee in one of those organizations where your executive is saying, oh, yes, well, we we look after the health and well-being of our employees and we provide them with mental health days and we... You know, put on special events here and there, and every so often, you know, we do a nice picnic in the park. Mm-hmm. But then the expectation is that they are having to work so ridiculously long hours. They're expected to comply with everything. There's no leeway for flexibility or actual humanness in in the approach they, they take to work. So I think, yeah, yeah, protection from harm is really important. And making sure that it's not just words being spoken. And I think this is where the safety piece comes in, particularly in terms of protecting people from burning out and developing mental mood disorders. Because, you know, as you said just now, Mm -hmm. you cannot be the best version of yourself if you're worried about what somebody else is going to be saying about you or you're feeling intimidated by or harassed by somebody. It's, you know, the fastest way to sort of not thrive at work so yeah really 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 important and you you can't take rest yeah if you're always expected to work I think the worst and I I want to ban these they're called lunch and learns I don't know if you have them in the UK yeah we do you do you do yeah so oh Jenny please come and do a lunch and learn and I'm thinking well yes it's great to get in front of your people to share some thoughts and ideas with them but I'm taking them away from their lunch break. Break, yeah. When they should actually be defragging, not thinking about work. They shouldn't have getting to be outside. Yeah, <laughs> getting outside. They shouldn't have to be trying to chew on a sandwich or a bit of salad while listening to somebody giving them some information and asking them questions and stuff. That's not yeah. break. Why isn't no. learning and education part of the work day? It shouldn't be something yeah. that's stuffed into a break because it's not a break. So that's just me on Absolutely. my high. <laughs> no, I knew that. That's why I invited you in to enable adequate rest because it's so critical. And I love that. Um, I know a lot of people who are really challenged by lunch and learns, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So the other two parts of this one, normalize su- and support mental health, which I think your point to, you know, I just wanted to pick up on that and just say, you know, well-being is like you need to put it in your culture. So if you're saying one thing or if you're saying we're a well-being company, you then need to go back through your entire company, your policies, your processes, your emails, your onboarding and bake it into everything you do. Because if you don't, you're saying one thing and doing another and nobody believes you. Yeah. It's very much the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. And the last one is operationalizing the DEIA norms, policies, and programs. And we know that marginalized employees are, they're at the highest risk of burnout. They are underrepresented in all areas of business. Different countries are, are better than others, but it's something that even if you think you're doing a good job, I think you need to think again, right? Yeah. Um, and that's so much part of this protection from harm. You have to stop harming people. Yeah. Um, based on any of those kind of protected characteristics or any of those characteristics mm. 
that, mm-hmm. that we see and hear. So I think it's such a great foundational piece to start on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we have these two human needs of safety and security. We've got to have them. We've got to have them. Yeah. And I love calling it out. So next up on the, is it like a flower? It looks a bit like a flower. I see it like a flower with petals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, pe- the other petals. Should we call them the petals? Rather Let's than call the them the petals. So the second petal. I like it. <laughs> is connection and community. And that's, again, something that both you, Sarah, and I are very passionate about because we see that yeah. um, whatever aspect of your life you're looking at, connection and community is vital. Mm-hmm. Considering we spend so much darn time in this place we call work, mm-hmm. <laughs> having that sense of belonging, um, and community is critical to our own health and well-being, but also of the organizational health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. It raises everybody up um, when that's in place. So it's about looking at how do you ensure everybody has that sense of inclusion and belonging. Right, yeah. Are you actively asking people to join in what policies do you have or Mm -hmm. um, things do you do to ensure that you know somebody who's just been onboarded um, knows exactly what the unspoken ground rules are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's often the really important stuff you need to know yeah yeah yeah. the stuff that nobody talks about but is everywhere (laughs) yeah and and will keep you safe and make you feel that you're part of us and we invite you in and we want to get to know you and so that you feel part of whatever you want to call it, family, tribe, doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it's that belonging piece, which is so, yeah. so important. So critical, right? And, you know, and that's so baked into, again, our human experience. You know, yeah. we yeah. humans tribe, we need connection, we need community and the loneliness epidemic, you know, that's just, it, it's just one more thing that's that's yeah. on its way. It's already here. All yeah. those things, trusting relationships, yeah. collaboration and teamwork. I mean, you know, working together in a great team. Oh. When, when you've got a great team, yeah, it doesn't get much better, does it? It doesn't, honestly. Yeah. You're with people that you really like, yeah. enjoy spending time with, and you want to do mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is you have to do and you want to do it well because you know that you're contributing to something that everybody's going to benefit. So the two two subcomponents of connection and community are the social support and belonging. And I think when um, you have social support, you know that and it's and it's all the petals are interlinked. So the social support links into the protection from harm. When you have a strong sense of belonging, you're also kept safe. And the, the social support piece, um, Amy Edmondson, who's in the psychological safety area, said this beautifully. And she said, it's not the amount of stress that we face on a daily basis or the challenge that puts us particularly at risk of burning out. It's whether or not you have somebody you can talk to. And that all depends on having that sense of belonging, that sense mm-hmm. of I've got a friend or somebody who yeah. understands me sufficiently to recognize mm-hmm. when I might be struggling a bit and I can just sit down and they we can just have a conversation and talk about stuff. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And there was a lot of research that backs that up that came out in the pandemic that the the buffer for burnout was when you had I think the antidote antidote that was easy for me to say and the <laughs> antidote <laughs> to a high workload is high social support absolutely when you have that yeah you can do and I like you know in in happiness at work we always use that phrase doing great work together with great people I also think it's doing hard work together with great people yeah yeah having that challenge it's stepping into that space, which on your own might be a bit, ooh. <laughs> yeah. But when you're doing it with others. But pulling together. Do this. Oh, come yeah. on. That's amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. How do I climb up this mountain? Yeah. I do it together with other people. So it's all about connection, forming, trusting relationships. Yep. Um, nurturing those relationships to the point. It's, it's not about being best friends with everybody, but it's having. No the capacity to have the right conversations at the right time. So it's not about being nice necessarily. No, 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 no. It, it is a deep human connection. You know, if something needs to be shared yep. or spoken yep. about, you can do that yep. safely yep. and robustly yep. and it's okay. Because if I care about you as a person if you, and if I know that you care about me as a person, then we can have those conversations and it's safe. And no one yes. gets hurt, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so that petal links beautifully into the third one. Indeed. Work-life harmony. I really like that. I've been looking for, I didn't like work-life balance. That's like you have to have one or the other. Work-life blend was like you were always having to do them both. So I kind of like this. It's harmonious. I like the description of <laughs> this is something that I think is quite critical right now. I don't think we've got this right. I think the pandemic has um, really stirred it up quite a lot. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of conversation. I haven't been hearing it before the pandemic yeah. um, because, you know, talking about work-life balance really became non-PC. It, you just don't didn't do it. Mm. You just got on with your work. Yeah, okay. And now people are saying... I'm looking for either more balance or more harmony or more integration. Mm -hmm. Everything is blurry. It's all very complicated. It's all very busy. Yeah. Finding that way to, to manage things better so you feel like you're in control of what can be controlled is really, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've got all the stuff on flexible working, where you work, how you work. Is it asynchronous? Is it synchronous? Do you have access to holiday? I know, you know, here in Europe, we have a, a reasonable amount of paid holiday. We have support for parental leave. We have sick pay. Again, there are other places in the world that don't have access to that. So I think that if you are worried that you can't be sick, there's no harmony there. No, that's right. If you have to work when you're sick or else you risk part of your life, you, know, you can't pay your bills, or you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your rent. That's there's nothing harmonious about that at all. No, no, at all. And and it's not just when we get sick either, is it? Because if you're mm -hmm. a parent, mm -hmm. often do your kids get sick? Yep. And no, they can't go to school or whatever. And there's, mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. have always access to extended family or absolutely um, somebody to care for them. What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have the flexibility and the autonomy to be able to make those choices 
that are essential. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, let's face it, it's family first. Above all else, it's family first. It has to be. Yeah. We have this kind of mindset of, oh, no, well, we need to put our work first because we have to pay the bills because of this. And it's like, that's not how the future should be going, oh. in my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> So I was at a, a trade show this week, you know, Jenny, and it was we were talking a lot about work from home and the boundaries between work and non-work time. And we've talked about this loads of times. We talked about it in rituals. We talked about it in rhythms. We talked about it in working from home, in hybrid work. But this blurred set of boundaries and the guidelines that leaders need to explicitly set and assist people to put in place, I think, is really key to that harmony. Yeah. Can you shut the door on your work life even when you're working from home? Mm. Are you getting emails at three o'clock in the morning from your boss? <laughs> if you are, move on. <laughs> so number four, yes, we have mattering at work. Isn't this a lovely term? Mattering. Because we all matter. We like to think we matter and we do matter. Yeah. But do we know that we matter? Or do we hear that we matter? Yeah, because if you're going to go and invest your time, your energy and effort into something that's for somebody else i mean obviously you're going to be paid for it yeah it's so important for us as humans to feel that we are valued mm-hmm. we are respected mm-hmm. and we are acknowledged for who we are and what we do so mattering and i love the sub components of this dignity yeah we gain dignity when we know we matter and i think oh, yes, we do absolutely we need dignity around the place Right back to safety and security. If you're not treated with dignity and respect at work, then you don't have safety and security. That's right. And when it comes to meaning, uh, I know we've talked about Mm. the need for purpose and meaning before because it is critical to our health and well-being. There was some lovely research that looked at health and well-being in those people who work in the area of alcohol and drug rehabilitation. So they're working with people who have got significant stresses and life issues going on. Yeah, absolutely. Highly skilled counsellors in this research, they were trying to work out, you know, are they at risk of burnout or ill health, et cetera, et cetera. What they discovered was that they have a very high level of engagement, no surprise, because they're drawn to this type of work because they're the type of people that are. Of course. But the 93% of them said they found deep meaning in the work they did. 93%. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other group wow. of workers yeah. who can probably have that same level of meaning, which means that they have this beautiful buffer that keeps them well. Because if you're getting out of bed in every morning thinking, I'm making a positive difference, then it works. It's, it's incredible. And yeah, like social support, purpose is, again, one of those buffers Yep. to burnout, to help you with those things, mm. to give you the North Star, a way to get through everything. Yeah, And that's a beautiful story. And how amazing to be helping people just tangentially. I'll go off on that because it's right here. Those people who are struggling with addiction are almost always people who have had real serious trauma in their lives. That's the book you told me about. This is the book. Yes. The Myth of Normal by Gambor Mate. So we'll leave that for another session. We will, won't we? Yes, yes. People are, they're doing really deep work. It makes a lot of sense. And wow, yeah. talk about mattering at work. Yeah. Mattering to humans. You know what that feels like, right? Again, like all these, like when you connect yourself to doing something bigger than just you, right? 
And any organization can do that. You know, I've worked with organizations who doesn't look like they've got a P in the world for purpose, but just scratch the surface and you'll figure out whose lives you're making better. And that's always there. You're yeah, always there. That's right. And this is where having great leadership, positive leadership mm. makes all the difference. Yeah. Because people in charge, you know, if they, if they can see, um, they know that the work is important. They can foster that sense of purpose and meaning for everybody. And you got to refresh that for people, don't you? Because absolutely, it's so easy to get into that daily grind, into that doing the doing. Yeah. And just forget to look up, mm -hmm. see how far you've come. I just ran that with some clients. Big year, really big year. And I could see this incredible work they've done. And they were just here and all they could see was all of the difficulties. Oh. You know, take that time, pause, reflect, look back, look at the incredible work you've done. Look at the incredible people you've worked with. Look at what you've achieved. And yep. it was such a short period of time. And I had such a beautiful note today just saying the whole of the week afterwards, the whole of this week has been amazing and loving work again and driven and such a tiny moment to just yeah. review how you have mattered at work to people yeah it's just beautiful in in a similar vein I was asked to um, support a company that was putting together an appreciation day for all their staff oh and I love <laughs> appreciation days because I get to go and experience all the love as well. <laughs> oh, it's just so great. The oxytocin, the oxytocin <laughs> that you get just watching other people. Yes. Out of this world. I love it. Yeah. So whether it's an appreciation day or mm. I was at an event this week too, which was acknowledging um, local businesses who excel in leadership yeah. and well-being and a number of different things. Just witnessing that you realize just how important it is for people to have that recognition mm -hmm. because you see the glow in their faces when they are called out for doing good oh it's so good it, it is so yeah. important and it's so easy to overlook it or forget because we get caught up in this in the busy and I think so often we have done something as human beings that for us were either part of our strength so it didn't feel hard or just our normal and we actually don't realize the impact we've had on those around us yeah tell people they matter tell people what they did for you tell them how that made you feel you know I love it when you probably do the same if you're up giving a keynote and someone actually takes the time to come afterwards and speak to you Every time it'll be someone who's got this great smile on their face. It's so important to me to just say like, thank you. Thanks for giving me yes. back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Indeed. Touching. Yeah. As, a, as a speaker, you get some people sitting there, arms crossed, you know, face suit, and they could just be thinking, right. But <laughs> when someone's giving that back to you and you're like, yes, okay, I'm getting through. <laughs> it means so much. I matter. I matter. <laughs> what I say matters to you. That's exactly right. That. Yeah. Oh. And so the last. Yeah, the last petal. Over to you, Sarah, for the last petal. Oh, well, this is so, it's so timely as well, because in the, the world that we're, we're working in at the moment, there's tons of studies and articles coming out that are saying this, this is the critical piece for people. This is what's keeping people in work. And that is opportunity for growth, right? So that's yeah. learning and accomplishment, right? 
do I get to do new things? Do I get to learn new things? Not on my lunch break. <laughs> Not on the lunch break, no. Not on my lunch break. Do I have clear vision on how I can make progress, right? Mm. How my career moves forwards. What do I get to do next? Mm. Uh, or how do I exit to go somewhere else? Which is, I think, something that is overlooked. Yeah. This idea that we always have to keep everybody is wrong. And it's really important, I think, that organizations look at how do you support your people in their lives, not try to keep them small, not try to keep them where yeah. you are, because they're great. How do you do that? And it comes back for you. It comes back to you. Yeah. So not just opportunity to grow inside your organization, but the opportunity to lead well. For me, that's so critical. Yeah. It's a bit like succession planning as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You have somebody in a position of authority or leadership. Yeah. The most effective leaders are already grooming, nurturing. Yes. Lifting up others yes. who they know yes. are going to come after them. So that they are ready and prepared, and, yeah. and that's a yeah. critical piece as well. And and I, I totally agree with you about the need to make it normal and to embrace the fact that not everybody is going to stay in your organisation for maybe more than a couple of years. I mean, yeah, they've been talking about the fact that you know we're all going to have multiple occupations and we'll be going mm-hmm. to change jobs lots of times. So. This is probably the time to start embracing that change. Yeah. What does that cycle look like, right? Yeah. What does that cycle look like? And what should we be doing to to plan for it so that it's seamless? I know that Mm -hmm. in some workplaces, they actually sort of have a specific program where people have indicated, well, this has served me really well for now, Mm -hmm. but next I want to go and do X, Y, or Z. And you know they're not going to be able to do that in your organization so you actually Mm. make it easy for them to sort of move on in a supportive Mm. fashion which is fantastic Mm -hmm. and it does come back to reward you because for one thing they might sort of progress on and get new skills they might come back to you as an organization or they'll tell other people how good you were yeah This is exactly it. It's We need to open our eyes to how that can work and how that ecosystem of learning and, and how much better your organization is when people go away and learn other things and come back. Yep. Uh, another great book I'm reading right now is called Unreasonable Hospitality. <sighs> and wow, the thing that he talks about was going and learning the craft that he loved, then having to go and do kind of the corporate side of it. So he's, he's a restaurateur, right? Yeah. But how much value it was for him to go from this really creative restaurant business into a more corporate structured spreadsheets, budget, all that kind of stuff. And that actually he could only achieve this greatness from having done both things. So if you only have people on your path, you're missing out having this kind of continuous learning. So yes, another another conversation for us to have, but (laughs) I think it fits, it just fits really well in in that idea of opportunity for growth, that learning. And then I think, you know, just that accomplishment is part of it, right? So letting people recognize the achievements they have made and done. We've talked about this maybe on every single episode of our (laughs) podcast. We do not celebrate our achievements and our successes enough. We spend so much time looking at our failures. We spend so much time focusing on what didn't go well. 
we need to spend at least as much time looking at our accomplishments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that builds confidence and competence so that you're wanting to go and do more and achieve more. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to celebrate. Yeah. Right. And if you're doing something right, you want to do more of that. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. <laughs> we don't yes. just, if we just stopped doing all the things we did wrong and never thought about doing more of the things we do right, we just go backwards. Yeah. We just stop doing more things. Yes. It's like an anti-to-do list, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coining a whole pile of new phrases today, Jenny. <laughs> so we've just covered, and there's so much in this. There's so much. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I can't wait to dive deep into this together. The five essential petals. Yeah, to this new framework, a workplace mental health and well-being framework. So we can't wait to dive in a little bit deeper with you. Yeah, we've yet to decide which one we're going to start with next time. Maybe we'll start at the top. Maybe we'll start at a different place. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but we'd love to know from you um, if you've seen this framework um, mm. out in the um, social media channels, whether you've had a chance to explore it, what you think about it. Yeah. And, which um, one resonates for you? Yeah. What, which is the mm. most important part for you from your perspective? We'd love to hear your thoughts. And I guess we should probably sign off now and we'll see you again next time. See you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.